Hi there, my name's Jane Anderson and this is the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. It's the podcast for experts who want to have greater impact, influence and income for their businesses and careers. As experts, we know that people buy from people and work with people who they know, who they like and who they trust. So I'm so glad you're here because it's that time again now to really amplify how you show up in the world. Hi there and welcome to today's podcast. I am absolutely thrilled that you are here and part of the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. Today we're going to be talking to a very special guest. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to say hi, check in, see how you're doing, see how you're going with your practice. Are you growing? How are you finding things? Um, you know, I'm out talking to people and we've had some clients who have had their best months and best quarters ever other industries and some they're working with are going they're taking a long time to kind of make decisions um and so and then there's sort of all that in between we've had some who have had you know some of their record months actually and so i guess what i'm seeing is that there is a real mix depending on the type of industries people are working with um depending on uh the levels if they're working with senior executive teams we're seeing quite a bit of um things like i've got one person that's doing a bit of crisis management one person doing a lot of reputation branding management um and so those sorts of programs working with women and uh, those sorts of programs are doing well uh, speaking is just starting to come back so i've had a few keynotes booked and quite a few in our community have as well um, so yeah, love to hear from you. Love to hear how you're going in your practice. What are you finding is working? Uh, and we've got a few things coming up over the next few months. We have a big deals masterclass coming up soon, which will be in July. So make sure you jump on if you haven't already booked in a time, uh, booked in uh, for that. So you can jump on the website. If you go to jane-anderson.com.au, you will see the link to our events area and you'll see the upcoming workshop there. Um, what else? Oh, and the other thing too is don't forget to jump. If you jump on the website, you'll see the top 10 questions that every corporate buyer has when they're looking to buy from you. Make sure you jump on, download it. It's got some fantastic tips and techniques and tools that you really need to think about that customers or your clients will typically be maybe thinking, but not saying. <laughs> so without further ado, let me introduce to you our very special guest today. Kathy Burke is our special guest today. She helps organisations and people develop the mindsets, leadership skills uh, to address 21st century challenges. She understands leadership. For 20 years, Kathy was the CEO of the Hunger Project in Australia and then a global vice president working to end hunger across Southeast Asia and Africa. She is extraordinary and she's a massive global citizen. I'm all in awe of this woman. Kathy was an integral member of a visionary team who developed leadership at scale in villages all over the world. Through her work, millions of the world's poorest people stepped into their leadership and they were able to feed themselves and their families. Kathy now works with organisations and leaders to develop the mindsets, authenticity and capabilities needed to achieve a better future. She believes the potential for leadership is available to everyone and that it's never been more important to activate this in organisations and communities around the world. Kathy designs and leads transformation programs for village women redefining what it means to be a leader to global executives grappling with change. Kathy received the Australian Davos Leadership Award, which if you're not aware, that's a really super prestigious award to win. She's also on the Australian Financial Review Top 100 Women of Influence, um, which is a super 
prestige list as well. She's the author of two books, Unlikely Leaders, uh, Unlikely Leaders, Lessons in Leadership from the Village Classroom. And her new book, oh, I've got both here actually. Here's her Unlikely Leaders book, which I have from a long time ago when she wrote that one. Not a long time ago, only a few years ago. But this is a new one. You can see all the spots I've highlighted here called Lead In, and which is around mindsets to lead, live and work differently. So I hope you enjoy the interview with Kathy today. I'd love to hear your insights, love to hear your thoughts. What were the best things that you got out of listening to Kathy today? Here we go. Thanks so much for joining us, Kathy. I'm so excited that you are here. I have been counting the sleeps to catch up with you because you are so insightful in this space. It's such a thrill to have you. Thanks for coming along. <laughs> I don't know that many people have counted the sleeps, Jane, so. <laughs> I count the sleeps when it comes to great people that we work with. So, um, so I'm thrilled because you have, you have done some of the most extraordinary work. I was just thinking about this morning, when was the first time I ever saw Kathy and met Kathy? And now you wouldn't maybe remember this, but I remember way, way, way back, I think I may have even been I remember attending a Business Chicks event back in, oh, it would have been in the, I don't know when you started the relationship with them, but it must have been, I was still in a job back then. And uh, so it must have been 12, 13 years ago, maybe something like that. Would that be right? And I remember seeing you speak and I was like, far out. Like I didn't even know that the hunger project existed I didn't know anything about it I was like this is just mind-blowing what you got up and spoke about that day and just the it was just the power of awareness and getting in front of the right audience I think you know it's you're just such a great example of the work that women with influence do but I will never forget the day that I first you wouldn't remember it but it was so long ago but I do remember seeing you present and just thought this this is just extraordinary so um, tell us a bit about, are you happy to share a bit about your practice, where you, where you kind of started and how you've sort of evolved into this space? Oh, I'm trying to think of when, um, yeah, I started being still a huge fan of business chicks, but um, I guess coming into the sort of audience that are listening to this, Jane, sort of speaking publicly wasn't natural to me. Right. Um, it was a real, um, I still get nervous before I speak publicly, but I put it off for a long time. And if I was earlier in my career now, and I definitely say this to a lot of women that I coach and mentor and whatnot, um, is, to, is to look for those opportunities. And for me, I, I always try to make myself more on the, like, not behind the scenes, but it was about the women mainly in yes. the women and men in villages around the world that we were um, serving. Yes. And so having me be, it was a real mindset shift to, to move towards me having to raising my profile and it was really, really uncomfortable for a long time. Wow. Um, you made it look so easy. <laughs> yeah, but it, was, but it was absolutely the best thing to have done. So, um, so anyone just even listening, thinking, oh, you know, feeling that uncomfortableness and obviously we get better at it as we go along. Yes. Um, so whether you're a consultant in your own practice or you're, you know, running a team or whatever and listening to this because you want to build your influence, um, finding those opportunities to 
um, speak isn't just about me, 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 but it's actually progressing the thing that you're most committed to. And I, yes. I didn't realise that distinction kind of earlier on. So, Wow. <laughs> and so then, so you were speaking on a lot of stages because you have a great partnership with Business Chicks and you're still very close um, to Emma and the team. So did that sort of 20 years you spent with The Hunger Project, that's an incredible impact that you've had. What made you decide to start your own practice and move away from, I mean, there's so many lessons learned. You've written two fantastic books, as a, particularly your Unlikely Leaders book and the stories around that. Um, what made you decide to start your own practice? Um, it, was a, it was a big decision as as you can probably um, appreciate. Um, I still love The Hunger Project. I love the work that it does. I'm still a global ambassador. <laughs> I'm still, still sort of, yeah, involved. But um, I, what had happened, Jane, is that probably in the, in the 10 years before I left, I had maybe even a bit longer, I had started to really reflect on what I had learned as a leader and as a human being from women who were not educated, who had been married young, who had all the reasons why they wouldn't be able to make any impact and change their life. Their circumstances were so difficult. Right. And I could just, and yet they taught me so much um, about what it meant to be courageous and to step up and how we're not defined by our circumstances. And how even when things are absolutely terrible and there doesn't seem to be any way out, um, that sort of inner kind of lighting that candle within is the mm. And so then um, I looked at ways to monetize that in the Hunger Project. So to create, because I do felt we had a big leadership message to give and also yeah. the the thing was moving from you couldn't just go to a big corporate and say, hey, we're really awesome, give us lots of money. Like it was like, what yes. problem of yours can I help you solve? Yes. Um, and so we designed these really amazing transformational leadership programs that I led countless numbers for ANZ Bank, for Combank, for Sovereign Insurance, Business Chicks in the field. And I just loved it so much. And just the breakthroughs that people were having in their lives, not just at work, but in just being just better humans. Um, it was just, it really called to me. And so then I wrote Unlikely Leaders when I was still at the Hunger Project. Right. Um, but I just, this was just the calling of my heart, Jane, to express this message um, more in what, with without it being okay, so now how can you be involved in the Hunger Project? I just felt like you could be involved in, and people all over the world involved in prison reform in Chicago, involved in slums in Nairobi, involved in stuff happening in Beijing have all read my book um, and Amazing. they're using it to, to help their organisations and change their life. And it wasn't nothing to do with the Hunger Project, right? So huh. I just, I don't know, I just, I just, I also think that in careers, um, we get to these points and they happen around the six to seven year mark where we, we, and you often see people really needing to reinvent and reconstitute their relationship to their work or yes. they leave. And that happened to me at those marks and I was heading up to 20 years and, and I just think, um, yeah, this was now time for me to, to leave and to do this. 
and what an incredible leap you have made. Like, Kathy, the clients that, I mean, we only have to look at your client list, which I actually didn't mention in the intro today, but some of the brands, you know, we're not talking, you know, smaller businesses and not that anything's wrong with smaller businesses, but the businesses and organisations that you're working at are on a massive, large scale. Um, and then, and you've had, I guess, I'm thinking, you know, because there's a lot on your client list, if we look at those big names, um, I don't know if you're happy to um, share any of them, but I'll let you share any of them if you want to. But, um, you know, that's any, people kind of go, how do you suddenly step out of a role like that and start, you know, playing on this big global stage? Um, Were a lot of them sort of clients that you had or you had some of those relationships and because they're often, sometimes I find people, when they start their practices, they kind of go, I'm starting afresh, I'm forgetting that life and I'm starting this life. And we forget, you know, I think you're, what I see is that watching you is that, you know, you have cultivated relationships over so many years. Has that been a big part of being able to get some of these organisations and being able to work with them? Yeah, definitely. Um, I did have and still do have um, fantastic relationships and have convolted. Convol- convol- um, whatever I'm trying to say there. Convolted, um, I like it. <laughs> what's the word I'm trying to be cultivated? Um, look, I have a fan, I do have a really good reputation and that you need to in to succeed really in any endeavour, like in the long term. Mm. Um, but, so, I mean, I did work for eBay when I was at the Hunger Project and ran a leadership program for them. And, um, yes. and it was just like one person left eBay and then moved to Amazon and then he introduced, I did a whole series of work there and then one of them introduced me to Amazon Japan. I did. So it's a bit like sort of spot fires. It sort of yes. um, goes like that. Um, but also, yeah, like I've, I've it's, I guess one of my biggest lessons, Jane, when I left to set up my practice was I had a real naivete and a real um, just not magical thinking but just not totally naive about um, because I had such good relationships, I had a good reputation, but it was in a particular context. Right. And so having, I remember when I first said, oh, I'm doing this, (laughs) isn't it great? (laughs) And thoughts, you know, magical things would happen, people would like build... And it was like really thrilled for me, but it's like I hadn't fully thought through what problem am I solving for them? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm I'm really wonderful in this in this arena, but what about here? And it was like, right. oh right, I need to like work on my message, and <laughs> uh, yeah. so, which I obviously I did, but it was yes. so it's not just you can move from one to the other, um, yeah. and and in fact, there's a there's a chasm, so. Um, I was careful not to turn my back on my legacy. Yes. Um, but also that's not what um, that's not what people, you know, people think, oh, that 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 was interesting or whatever. Um, yes. but yeah, so so you know, I was able to take not turn my back on it, but not have it be that either. Right. So yeah. And Kathy, so speaking on that, like some of these glo- like the global stages, you I saw Kathy and I both spoke at MDRT. You can, say, you can share anything, no, 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 Jane. I'm a total open book. 
<laughs> the centre stage, Kathy's on at MDRT, Global MDRT in Sydney just before um, uh, COVID hit. And, uh, you know, that and was And Miami phenomenal. as well. And, and you Miami did Miami, yeah. June. It was phenomenal to see you on that stage, Kathy. It was just, you know, we're talking, this is, these are some of the biggest stages and the, the most renowned stages to be on. <laughs> I just go, I know her. <laughs> <laughs> so, so incredible to watch your journey. Um, with the, in the global market, like particularly, because that was a really interesting time. We came, that happened, that we came, because we pretty much came in COVID not long after after that that was sort of end of the year and then came into because that was August September I think that time COVID came about six months later what have you noticed you're a global citizen you know you see the people that you're working with are across the world what do you think that you're seeing or noticing that in the impact or perhaps opportunities or things that you're noticing at a global scale that are impacting or perhaps are opportunities for women who have their own consulting practices yeah, well, it's more just a, um, it's so different, I guess, is what I can say. Um, right. And I hadn't fully, um, and, and we need to be aware of that. So I have a, a client in um, in the US, a few clients, but he was telling, he's part of a CEO of a, of a large um, global, CEO of a large global bank. And um, so in his, where he lives, there's some sort of COVID awareness, but not a lot. And then he said he went to London just recently and he said, it's like it's 2018 there. It's like, it's just, you know, like it's all thing. And so for him, wow. it was a real, real shock. And um, clients in Australia, some are just um, as, if, as if it, you know, didn't really happen either. But then, but then you have a lot of fear there. But then like one of my clients in Japan when she's when they're at work they all have to wear a mask and there's a mask monitor who walks around the corridors and oh, you get, wow. get a thing if you're not wearing it so so I think what it taught me Jane was that it's not about my own kind of risk or even judging what other people are doing I don't think anyone's doing it right or wrong no. it's just it's just the way it's just being aware of the different tolerances and different Country right. and it made me feel a little bit better actually because people had been like Australia, Fortress Australia, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yes, but then I, you know, listened to Japanese clients who, you know, have have mask monitors, for instance, and they Amazing. there's nothing wrong with that for them. So I just think it's just a reminder to be able to work in the context where you're at, um, and and also what's your sort of risk area and. I've got a large keynote that I'm sort of, I, I'll have to decide this week whether I'm flying over to in North Carolina and like I'd love to go and then it's like I haven't still haven't had COVID or anything and it's like, oh, am I risking it? But, but then it's like, so I just think everyone just has to make their own decisions and organisations yeah. are trying to do that as well and just that it's it's a very different beast everywhere you go yes. in the world. And, right. and and to me that just had me feel more comfortable about owning my level of comfort and not feeling sort of guilty right. about it or, or defensive about it really. I really, and that's really a big part of who you are, Cathy, and that I think I've learnt from you is that I think we can... Sometimes, I don't know if you notice this, but sometimes as in our space we can, we've got to adapt, we've got to evolve and all those types of things. But 
what I love what you often say is you always come back to what is right for you and coming back to what you know, I think that's that centeredness and coming back to what do you need uh, and I know that's a big part of some of the programs that that you have and that you deliver because you work with um, whilst you work with um, I'm thinking CEOs and and at senior level whether they're male or female but most of your space is really in the female space um, what are some of the programs that you work with like is it do you do mentoring? Do you do coaching? Do you do training? You've got speaking, obviously. And what are the programs that you do? Well, Jane, <laughs> here's um, one I prepared earlier. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, I also, like everyone listening, most people listening, running amazing program. Yeah. I, look, I love, I love working with women. I, I just do. Um, I... Um, yeah, I have a lot of experience in that area, not just because I am one. Um, so I, I do um, a lot of mentoring for women. Um, I run two programs. One's a year-long program with me, sort of one-on-one, -on -one, and I also have a program program where uh, women and men, actually, this is for, come up to Byron, which is I live in the hinterland around Byron Bay, um, for sort of mentoring half days uh, once a quarter. Yes. And I run a um, program, it's like a public program for women um, to explore leadership and um, bust some of the myths and how to achieve more with less stress and less second guessing and just feeling bad about stuff. Yes. Um, and then I run corporate leadership programs for women to change the culture. I don't yes. believe that women need to be fixed to lead. So I wrote a, a white paper on that. That's one of my bugbears. Mm. Like, I see women to be more, more confident I know, right? and just more this or that. It's just like, and yes. we then believe it ourselves. We've been so gaslit. Women are, yes. have been gaslit for just, you know, how how it how the patriarchy came about, Jane Anderson, I do not know. It's like we've all swallowed the Kool-Aid, but women do not need to be fixed. We are amazing. We've, we've been told all this stuff. It's just not true. And we are powerful beyond measure. And yes. I totally believe that. And I get that. And I propel women to step forward and just knock their socks off, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Because you're right. I, you know, how often, and I, you know, even myself, I think back in corporate days, that was what we always, you know, we have that, you know, I guess that repeated message that's often said to us is that you just need to step up. You just need to do this, you know, but it is a, um, a cultural, and you go, yeah, like there's, sure, fair enough. But, you know, it's being able to change the cultures of organisations and the message and the whole um, mindset and, in corporate Australia really isn't and global corporate yeah around absolutely. how do we create environments that cultivate um, women moving into those roles like we've just seen um uh I can't I've just forgotten her name off the top of my head uh who's taken on the new CEO role at Telstra um is it what's her name um I'm trying to remember she's coming in in September uh I'll tell you her name is Vicky Brady, who's coming in in that role. So, uh, was, which is really exciting to see, starting to see some more women come into those roles. Your work is so important in this space, um, Kathy. In terms of, like, in terms of leading, you've written 
for those who haven't already got it, you've got to check out Kathy's book. So a few things that really stood out to me in your your book because it's easy to kind of go, oh, Kathy's books for women in corporate um, corporate environments, but particularly for female consultants, I think there's a few really valuable gems in here that you share. One of them, if I can ask you a bit about, um, uh, there was a key message that you had in here, particularly around abundance mindset. And, you know, there's, I don't know if you find this, but I find that for sometimes for those who are building their own practices, particularly women selling to large organisations, you know, we often get told to kind of, you got to, there's opportunities everywhere. You got to have an abundance mindset and there can be that pressure to keep doing more and more. Um, what What's your opinion on that? How do you work with the mind? If you were working with women who have their own consulting practices and they just are feeling, you know, working through that scarcity versus abundance mindset, what advice would you have for them who are struggling a little bit with that? Well, um, yeah, I've written a whole chapter in Lead In about the scarcity mindset because in many ways it is the mindset that rules us all, mm. like, like in um, Lord of the Ring. Um, and, and by scarcity isn't just about scarcity around money. It's a scarcity that is ingrained into our culture right. that we don't have enough. There's something essential that we need that we don't have. And for it can look in many different ways. It can be certainly a scarcity of money, but a scarcity of time, scarcity of contact, scarcity of clients, scarcity of sleep, scarcity of exercise time, scarcity of love. Um, one of the, you know, so many women friends and stuff, it's like, oh, mm. all good ones are taken. I'll never find yeah. anyone. It's just like, it's, and then we look out and how mindsets work is that we have evidence for it. It, yes. it feels true. It is true. Um, that I don't have enough clients, that I my bank account's going down, all of this yes. sort of stuff. So then it feeds this sort of scarcity um, mindset. Yes. I take my cues from Lynn Twist who wrote The Soul of Money and is one of my most amazing, amazing mentors. And she, right. she talks about um, the difference between a, the scarcity mindset and, and the opposite isn't an abundance. It's actually the antidote is what she calls mindset of enough and it is it it helps the narrative that somehow I don't like I'm lacking something important it's like fundamentally I'm enough so given that what actions do I now need to take that comes out of this sense of I'm enough rather than this grasping hungry ghost no matter how much I have I'll never have enough because back to like female consultant because what this scarcity thing can then have us grasping for more Yes, And we're taking more action, but it's not actually necessarily the action that's going to, like what's fueling that action isn't necessarily strategy, isn't necessarily playing a medium to longer term game, isn't necessarily building off your strength and actually seeing what you do have. Mm. Our biggest resource isn't in our bank account, isn't even in the number of our clients. It's in, it's in like my ingenuity, my my reputation, my the stuff I've done, the quality of my IP, the way I can I can um, expand myself, the way I can collaborate with others, the way I can get coaching that I need. Yes, in that becomes the alchemy that then can yes. grow our practice when we're going through sort of difficult time. And I use that myself, like. Like sometimes my practice is like flowing like 
flowing like rain, God on the street. And it's not. And she's like, oh, I'm going to merely going to practice. I'm like, oh, I need to be doing this, 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 this. Or I do nothing because it's all just so just like, what's the point? Um, but, but then it's like, oh right, that that's a, that's this scarcity, this feeling of lack that's coming through. And actually right. I always have control. May not have control yes. over my external realities like clients will pull will delay or will do this stuff happens but I always have control over how I show up what I do how what I deem important what actions I take and and centering myself in a way so that I'm not giving off that whiff of graspingness um and I'm just centered in a you know some will some won't that's fine kind of thing yes I love that and it kind of allows you to just be lighter doesn't it and less attached and um I love what you say around that it just that real sense of centeredness in that you you know knowing that you are enough and that you've done the work you know for a lot of women who go into this space they more often than not have about 20 years experience in in their chosen field and that's what sort of triggered them to starting their own space but it's just in a different context and we can kind of go into I don't know, I haven't got enough clients, I haven't got enough leads, I haven't got, um, uh, and I've got to get more of those. But I, I, I love what you say about, you know, just really taking the time to acknowledge that I've, I've done enough in terms of I am enough, I've got enough expertise, I've got enough knowledge. Um, I've just, it's now just about, okay, well, does someone need help with that? And um, if not, that's okay. We'll just see if they do. And if they don't, that's cool too. So just, uh, I love that. Um, uh, Kathy, in your practice, you talk, there's something really valuable that you talk about in, in the book. You know, I obsess around metrics <laughs> and it's easy to get and coming off the back of enough with metrics. But I, I think what sometimes happens is we forget to look back and look at, well, what are the results that we've actually achieved? And there's something that you talk about in the book that it's on a page 101 and you talk, you did some great work here, which was when you're at the hunger project and you did some training evaluation results. And when you look at it, what you measured at the beginning was you, you had 638 women who scored themselves at the beginning and then at the end and to sort of, um, uh, so that you have the metric to kind of describe this transformation. Are you happy to share a little bit about the story behind that, how you did it, and what that meant for being able to create influence when it came to showing other organisations? Like I was, um, you were trying to get more people to come along to leadership programs and show the transformation that they're going through. Are you happy to share what the difference that these metrics made and how you went about it? Yeah, so this was this was only a couple of years ago, actually. So I okay. left the Hunter Project, but I went to Bangladesh for a month um, because I, I still haven't finished the book. Um, but I wanted to write a book on um, how did that incredibly um, traditional patriarchal, um, economically and socially challenged country uh, and particularly difficult for women has been able to have women rise up basically um, yes and I've spent a lot of time in that country and I I just I just yeah um and so yeah it was it was part of that research for the book Jane and I mm, guess what okay. I was interested in is this um and it fits into sort of 
my work around mindsets and belief is that at the start of before any interventions around mindsets and leadership, um, so many women like 40, I'm got, I've got to open up my figures and put my glasses on. I don't have the, <laughs> the data right in front of me. But um, like a really large amount do not see themselves, rate themselves as a leader at all. Like in, at out, all. Of, out of a rating of 10, like 47%, I think it was. Wow. They, they rated themselves there. Okay. Um, but at the end of the, um, and it should get my glasses actually, Jane, too. Yeah, so that's okay. Like I want to represent now that you've pulled it up. <laughs> um, so basically um, 300 of them, so 47% rated their ability low. Yes. Um, you know, between one and three at a scale of 10. And this number changed to only 3% rating themselves as low after intervention. And that at the higher end of the scale, there were still 17% who thought themselves as leaders between eight and 10 on the scale. But mm -hmm. then that jumped to 78% um, after intervention. And, and I right. guess what I find interesting about this is that we have this perspective that somehow leadership is a, it's a quality, it's a trait. Some people yes. have it, most people don't. Leaders yes. look a certain way. And mostly we look at that and we think, well, that's not us. Um, and certainly those women in the villages th thought that that's not them. And the only thing that changed was investing in their leadership, in their mindsets, in their, the way that they saw what they were capable of. Right. So that 78% of them moved into seeing into taking leadership actions and, and seeing themselves at the higher end of the scale. Yes. And what, what as a result of this, Jane, in terms of the impact was was like there was like nearly 40,000 campaigns against child dowry, child marriage. Uh, people got educated. Water was brought to villages by these women who most of whom did not think that they were a leader at all prior wow. to intervention, prior to changing. And what I just, what I, and I, this has, I mean, I wrote, did the research for that book, but it, it tracks with, with here and how, yes. how, organizations making that investment and that time building the leadership of, of everyone and so I wrote a book called unlikely leaders most mm. of us are unlikely leaders um <laughs> aren't we like I was just a dad from Perth who loved rock and roll I mean you're a girl from Lismore I mean yeah, look at us I know <laughs> um, so that capacity is there in for yeah. all of us we may not end up being the CEO of Telstra but we can make an impact in our life that matters to us. Yes. Uh, and it's not written in the stars that you will never be able to do, sh make, take that moonshot. And, you know, for a woman in a village, it's standing up and not getting her child marriage off, married off early is a similar kind of courage as it takes to, you know, yes. us going after something here that we feel is, is really hard, like building an amazing practice or something. So, Yes. And that does come up a lot, doesn't it? For particularly for women in their own consulting practices where like, oh, I don't, I've never, I, I find it hard to use the word expert or I find it hard to use the word, you know, the, it's like the whole, um, you know, a little bit of the imposter syndrome or I, I don't know, I, I know that's what I want to do, but I struggle with the, the brand or the name that I'm calling myself or the category. So, you know, labeling myself an expert in this space, but am I really, I don't know. I think I'll just kind of go, um, I, I'm a technical expert and I'll just stay in that space and, you know, and a bit of fear around, 
could I actually have the change? Is that actually even really possible? Um, and Kathy, you talk about, in the book, you talk about um, the four mindsets. You've got expansive, the fixed, the growth, and the limited mindset. And I love these quadrants that you talk about. You talk about um, having a, um, the victim mindset. You talk about uh, the dictator, who's certainly seeing a bit of that at the moment. Um, but then, um, but you talk about, what's the other one, the delayer, and then you talk about the, the difference between those, between a leader's mindset. With, based on your experience in this space, because you, you know, you obviously know how to get people shifted from any of those mindsets, I guess, in, over into a leadership mindset, particularly if you're a woman who has her own consulting practice, what do you think that holds women back, particularly if they're in their own, as an entrepreneur and having their own um, practice, what do you think holds them back from stepping up into that leadership space based on what you've seen? And, uh, and what do you, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, um, I loved this research that was done um, about four years ago, Jane, by the Centre for Talent Innovation. Now we're looking at when women and men both come into a career, they're equally ambitious okay. for, for things. But over time, men's ambition stays the same, like strong and increases okay. and women decreases. And they were curious as to find out why that was the, the case. Okay. And often it gets put down to, oh, women, you know, we go off and have families and blah, blah, blah. But actually their research found it really tracks with my understanding is that women are very present to and overestimate um, the burdens that come with leading right. and underestimate and don't value the great benefit that comes when we lead. And, right. what, and leading in anything, in your practice, in your community, whatever. So yes. where, we, where we don't, and I think for women, one of the key things that we can do is keep working on our own vision for ourself as a leader, ourselves as a successful entrepreneur, ourselves as running a really successful practice, because what we what we're um, we don't see many of us in the in the public sphere. Yes. We have been sort of conditioned to not believe that we we can be as good, or we see the obstacles, and yes. we also don't have a vision of our of our leadership in a way that's true to myself. So we see leadership or running a practice or being whatever, being a CEO, um, and you've got to be da -da 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 -da. And that's yes. exhausting. And women are like, oh, my God, I, I, if that's it, I don't want it. And yes. I think it's really important that we think about what kind of you know, practice do I want, what sort of business do I want, what sort of clients do I want, what's, yes. what's going to feed me, and then craft that, spend time right. on that vision. Um, because it's got to be juicy enough and compelling enough. And, and this is like speaking totally um, like from my own perspective, this is something that I struggle with, Jane, mm. uh, because having had like a massive career where my tangible impact was, you know, undeniable, <laughs> sometimes I, like the vision piece is a piece that I really need to work hard on. Yes. It's like really cultivating that why and that. Yeah. Um, and me, me in that space as, yes. as, as myself and which to be honest, I particular trouble with, you know, showing up in that way, but 
yeah so it's like what what do I want and it can be what you want like not what you think other people should want for you like right. you be doing your practice should be like this because of whatever that's just people putting stuff on you and speak again speaking personally what do I want what's going to yes joy and then craft it around that so so having a big enough re not even a reason why I mean it is part of that but having um, what are the benefits that come with this? Like for me, it's like I get to be fully self-expressed. I get to make an impact in the world. I get to share love. I get to help uplift consciousness. I get to talk to amazing people about cool shit. I just, you know, <laughs> like when I like now, I'm getting all juiced up about. I am just talking about my practice, but it's that kind of thing as opposed yes. to. Oh, look at how Joe Blow and Mary Fred and Thing are doing it, and they're always on Instagram doing Instagram Live. And they're doing that, and then that's what I don't think. Oh, should I should be doing that? It's not what I want to do. It's not who right. I am. It's like get my own vision and make yes. it juicy. And and yes. just like Mary Oliver says in her beautiful poem, "Summer's Days." Like everything dies, and yet too soon. Tell me, what is it you want to do with your one wild and precious life? And like I'm nearly 60, Jane. I know it's unbelievable to um, to think about that. And so having the depth of still a few years off, but having the depth of that, um, this is this is we my one life. And yes. Having the courage to to envision it and to lead it how I want. Yes. Supporting other women to do the same. And Jane, you are an absolute legend at that. You oh, see, yes, I can't. see through people's, you never try, because working with you as I have been this nearly a year, you never, you never try to cookie cut people into their, into their practice. You, you see people's things and then you help them craft the best manifestation of that, iteration of that, rather yeah. than you should do it how Kathy's done it or Kathy should do it how Fred does, you know, whoever yeah. does it. Um, you've got a real gift for that so oh thank you I, and I um it's one of those things that we can find that for because your expression of what your practice your energy like you know if you said I want to I just want to speak on stages or I just want to run men I want to do speaking and mentoring and because there's an energy and an essence that you have that is so unique and I remember Matt Church once saying, I used to think we're in the business of ideas, but realise we're in the business of experiences. And it is because that is the uniqueness that what is the experience of you? Because that's really what you're selling is people kind of go, how do I get to be Kathy? I want to be Kathy. How did she do that? I want to know how she did that because I want that for me. You're the expression of what, what that aspiration and hope is which then leads to the question, if that's the community that I've got to lead, you know, that's a bold, you know, and it can be a bit frightening, can't it, to be able to say, I'm, I'm leading a community of people who want to be me, really? Like, you know, but it's not so much, you're not creating all these minions. It's not, it's not that, but it's about how does she get to be as fully self-expressed as she is? Because I'm not trying to be a duplicate of Kathy, but, there's elements of me that I am feeling ignited by how Kathy is. There's something there that I'm connecting and resonating with. And what is my version of that? So, um, and I think the question comes up a lot for particularly female consultants, I find it still comes up with men a lot, is 
who do you lead? Because when you go out into your own practice, is that we can kind of go, oh, I don't have to do all that anymore. <laughs> I don't have to worry about all these people. All I have to do is I just have to speak on stages. I'm going to run workshops. I'm going to run mentoring programs and that's it. But there is a shift that comes, isn't there, which is around, well, actually, if you want a sustainable practice, you've got to lead. It's not that you've left corporate and now you don't have to worry about all that anymore. Is You have to worry about it more than ever because you are creating the legacy. And if you want a sustainable practice is, you know, it's Dunbar's metrics of the 15, 150, 1500. That's the community that, that we've got to build. So you're right. I, I love what you say about that is that quite often we, we can step out of corporate and go, great. I don't see myself as a leader anymore. I'm seeing myself back into a technical expert. And now I can be the expert, the thought leader, the guru in that. So I don't have to worry about that. But ultimately is the real test, I think, in what you're saying, Kathy, is that I love, that's why I love the title of this book, because it is really about, it's not being able to, you know, go, hey, look at me, I'm such a rock star. Is that next phase is actually your job is to lead the community. You've got to lead in. And you've got to work out who is that community, who is in that community, who do you need to support most, and who values you the most. So, because it's really about, I think, having that customer for life, really, even if they're working with you for, because you have six week program, 12 week program, 12 month programs, three year programs, whatever it is, is that that's the shift and the transformation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, Kathy, um, uh, lucky last question if you if you had your time again in your practice since you started it uh is there anything that you would do differently that you would share with others to uh help them grow their practices <laughs> um it reminds me of the um the great uh um Frank Sinatra song regrets I've had a few but then again to <laughs> do differently I, I don't I don't know Jane um what I, I guess I started the whole practice thing as a complete novice mm -hmm. um, and I came into it with that mindset um and that's what I've loved about it like I I sort of put my thing thing that I'd done here and now like I hadn't been running like lots of workshops I hadn't been had a little consulting business for 10 years prior or anything like that so um what would I do different I mean I, I can't think of anything there's lots of things that, no, that's great yeah, nothing you would change that I that I tried and didn't work and I just think you have to like get into it and um yeah, maybe work with you earlier. <laughs> and like I didn't know to know that at that time. But it's just, you're, I mean, I, what's been so wonderful working with you, Jane, is, um, is, is just that besides that absolute personal belief you have in me and, and the other uh, women, uh, women of influence, it's just that you're so practical and that's been really helpful for me because I get like, <laughs> and you're like, no, so you're doing it. You sort of <laughs> and also, weirdly, I just love people to tell me what to do. Um, 
It's just like hire experts to just do stuff. I think yeah. people should work in their zone of genius. 100%. And so I just, it just takes away that mental bandwidth of you just say, Kathy, just do this. It's just like, oh, yeah. and then I just think, I don't even question it because what do I know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so just having someone, yeah, maybe earlier who's for me more practical. Yeah. And, and hands-on in, in and my hands on. Uh, context rather than me kind of looking out like that. Yeah, I, I've loved working with you, Kathy, because of your vision. You know, I just go, she just thinks so big and she thinks in so much possibility. You talk a lot about possibility in your book. And uh, and I, I just am in awe of what you can what you can do. So you're right, is that it's that focus of how do we just keep Kathy in her genius? <laughs> because she has got big ideas. She's got big networks. She's got big programs that she knows how to roll out. And she she's got a really she's already made an incredibly big impact she's got an even bigger one to do so so I'm glad that you see that because that's I think that's where the people that we work with I think for women with influence and even if they're in our community or not I think that if you I always believe if you can get the right people around you if you've got a big enough vision and you've been a CEO so you know what this is like is that there are and to remind people there are people out there who can help you for us as women I think we just try to do so much by ourselves and sometimes we have to do that because of the resources that we have when we're starting and things like that but as time goes on it's okay it's okay to ask for help and if you've got some big ideas they're all possible and I think Kathy you are a shining example of what truly is possible <laughs> so Thank you so much for being on today. For those, if you want to jump on and if, um, make sure you jump on to it, do, where would you like people to go, Kathy? is where what I should actually ask you. <laughs> yeah, so maybe just go to the website, which is Kathy Burke, which is B-U-R-K-E, not the Melbourne B. Melbourne. Oh, yes, Burke Street. <laughs> um, I do a weekly um, newsletter on there, of course. Yes. We'll all, yes. all know that. Um, and just, just stuff on there. And if you're interested in my book, you can find out more about it on that page as well. Thank you so much, Kathy. It's been a pleasure to have you. We can't wait to have you back and hear about your journey ahead. And uh, thanks for jumping on everyone today. Thanks, Jane.